good day, good good evening, good morning. I don't know. Whenever you're listening to this, I hope it's good. Welcome to yes. episode 40 of Talking Jacks. This is a Talking Jacks extra. Uh, we are previewing the New York Red Bulls 2 versus Charlotte Independence game that is being played Saturday at 7 p.m. <laughs> and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben. And Ben, how are you doing on this Thursday evening? I'm doing good. Um, looking forward to a, what should be a really fun weekend um, with the Independence playing, of course, and everything. And uh, yeah, is, I, are I'm you really going to be able to watch it live, or are you? Is there a Greenville game this weekend? There is a Greenville game this weekend. <laughs> so you will also, be Chris Davising. I will be Chris Davising. Um, but I'm also the other reason why I'm going to be out of town is because it is my mother's birthday. Oh, even better. So, yeah, just another so reason figured, to go to Greenville. Exactly. While I'm in Greenville, might as well catch a soccer game. Um, but yeah, it should, should be a really fun weekend. Um, and this game should be really, really entertaining. Um, I can't imagine this game will end 0-0. I would never bet that in a million years. I don't know. Um, After our predictions, I think it, it, there's a good chance that the universe will laugh at our predictions and make it be 0-0. Yeah. <laughs> Although after last week, I don't think I can handle that. That'll be stressful. Yeah. Yep. I I need like a two goal cushion um minimum for like ninety minutes, roughly. Um yeah. Hope hopefully we won't have as much anxiety in this in this next game. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see as we kind of alluded to in the interview, which we were about to play, so I won't give too much away, but it'll be interesting to see what changes we make uh tactically from the last two or three, four weeks. Because we've been uh, we've been really rolling, so it'll be interesting to see if we try to keep that same mentality, or if we shake things up. Maybe put a few different personnel guys. I, you know, we can talk about this after we roll the interview. Uh, mm. Some changes that we can make. But, uh, anyways, let's uh, let's go ahead and roll our interview. We had Joseph Goldstein of uh, Raising Red Bull or Raising Bulls. We are here with our wonderful guest, Joseph Goldstein of Raising Bulls, a podcast about uh, the New York Red Bulls, too. So how are you doing tonight, Joseph? I'm doing very well. I got to watch uh, a fair number of players that have passed through the system uh, whoop the tar out of NYCFC last night. So it was a good day. Yeah, that seems to be an organizational uh, uh, requirement is just beating them (laughs) 4-0. I guess so, yeah. Uh, awesome. we are really looking forward to this matchup. Now, is there is, is this game being played at a new stadium? Is that what I've seen? Yeah, they are opening MSU Soccer Park. Uh, they've uh, played the majority of their games at Red Bull Arena to start the season mm-hmm. uh, while renovations were underway to add uh, seating, uh, new turf field, and to fix up the locker rooms uh, on campus uh, to get in line with uh, Division II standards. So this is the first game at MSU Soccer Park this season. Okay, so there were games there last season. Yes. Okay, yes. so I believe that this is the same complex that we played you guys at last season then. Yes, absolutely. it was not it Red Bull Arena. Correct. <laughs> I, I like MSU a little bit better. It's the Obviously, it's a sparse crowd. It's hard to get people out to MLS2 sides. Uh, so just being in a little bit more intimate uh, uh, setting, I think, helps things out quite a bit. Yeah, I, I, you know, that's the attendance thing is weird. For every team, not just the yeah. MLS two sides. I mean, 
that's a, that's something we come up against every time we go on a guest we're on a podcast we get asked about why we struggle so much in attendance and I, I, yeah. it's a league-wide phenomenon not everybody is cincinnati and sacramento you know yeah well what's usl gonna lean on next year when cincinnati's not there to boost the numbers i'm not sure i, I i'm actually really interested to see the progression of the league as a whole we won't get too yeah. far into that tonight, but right, sure, uh, sure. Uh, I'm excited to see where it goes beyond Cincinnati because I think Cincinnati may have laid a good groundwork, and then there's teams like Louisville who are going to pick up the torch because they're building that right. soccer-specific stadium, and yeah, and and of course, I'm excited about our move. It's three years in the future, but it's <laughs> when we move to Uptown Charlotte, that's going to be fantastic, and I hope maybe we'll be kind of the next team to blow up, so to speak. But, there you go. Mm-hmm. But speaking of a team who uh, has been pretty consistently successful, the New York Red Bulls too. Um, I know pretty much from the MLS two side, New York Red Bulls is basically the the blueprint. And I guess you could throw uh, Sporting KC. I forget what they're called. Swope Rangers. Park. Yeah, Swope Park. And, and the Monarchs too. They've been doing a really That's good true. job over there. Yeah, but but as far as especially Eastern Conference. Mm. Uh, yeah. And so, what do you think? I mean, obviously, you've got Jesse Marsh, and you've got kind of the Red Bull conglomerate, so to speak, kind of involved in there. But what else do you think makes that USL team so successful in developing players for the first team? Well, a lot of it starts way before the USL level. They start bringing kids in as young as uh, you know, 10 and 12 years old and start bringing them into that system. And they play a consistent system from top to bottom. So they know their roles very well within it. And by the time they got up to uh, the MLS side, uh, before the USL team existed, they kind of floundered because the team at that point was looking to bring in you know, the big stars, the Thierry Henry, Juan Pablo Angel, uh, Tim Cahill, Rafa Marquez. And that buried these young guys on the depth chart, and a lot of them just fizzled out. And there was a number of really talented players who just could not get on the pitch uh, for Red Bull. With the USL side now, uh, that progression doesn't stop at the academy level, and then they have to make the jump to MLS, which is a pretty big jump. Um, some of those guys went to college, but you know, again, that's still a, a big adjustment to then come into the pro environment. So just having that steady progression and continuing on with a system they're already familiar with, I think has helped quite a bit. And uh, the, the coaching staff for Red Bull 2 uh, includes two fantastic guys uh, who are both former players with the club, John Wolinek, who's the head coach, and Ibrahim Sigagaya, uh, who was a center back for a couple of years. So the two of them have just a, a, tr- a terrific amount of knowledge that they've been able to pass on to the guys that are coming up. And they've been very good about how they develop uh, within their roles in the system. So they could take a guy like Ethan Cutler, who they drafted as a, a striker out of Colgate, and convert him to a right back, and he really doesn't even skip a beat. Uh, and obviously has progressed well enough that he earned himself an MLS contract. Gotcha. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so one thing specifically, um, with this season, it's kind of been um, some really strong outings for the, for the Red Bull. Um, I would say surprisingly, but maybe not too surprisingly. Um, I mean, you've beat, what was it? The, the Rowdies you beat five Oh, um, the battery you beat five to I think one or five. two. Yeah. I think it was five, two, five, two. Yeah. Um, so what do you think has contributed to that? Is it really just their attacking play style or is it 
or, or what's going on with the Red Bull? What, what's up with that? I think the the age of of the team has has played a lot into that. So when you've got a, a team like Red Bull that really wants to press and force mistakes uh, in the opponent's end, they've got the young legs. They can run all day. So if you're going to stick to that game plan of you want to play uh, out of the back or through the midfield, uh, it is treacherous. What you saw this past weekend and what made Cincinnati successful against Red Bull was their ability to kind of switch fields and start looking to uh, force the Red Bulls to play wider. They tend to get very narrow while they press and collapse on teams. And so if you can play out of that, you've got room. You can start to tire them out by making them run laterally. And that's that's been what uh, has helped teams to defeat them. Now, <laughs> on the flip side of that, what's made them successful in terms of, of how they've attacked, uh, they brought back a, a really talented young uh, player who was a homegrown player in 2013 in Amando Moreno. He's been a dynamic presence on the wing and a seasoned veteran, despite the fact he's only 22 years old, uh, <laughs> because he, he came up, couldn't get playing time, went down to Mexico, uh, and is now coming back. And he's bringing, you know, it's funny to think of him as a veteran leader on this team, but he absolutely is. Uh, and he brings so much experience there. Brian White, uh, who tore up uh, the PDL last season, uh, yeah. has been, he's still kind of fitting in, but he's hes able to, I think, stretch the back line and really put a lot of pressure on center backs. And if you could occupy guys like that, that will make other matchups a little bit easier. Uh, and you know, the other wing, I think, could be a number of other guys. It's not necessarily uh, that important. But right now, Jared Stroud has, has kind of settled in there and is the sort of prototypical winger that Red Bull hasn't had for a number of seasons, uh, really since Florian Velo was a mainstay on that 2016 side. He kind of shifted inside last season. Uh, but having a guy like that who can cross the ball in and find the back post runs or, or the primary striker has kind of lifted the offense but they tend to score in bunches so if hmm. if they get one in the match that's okay if they start kind of struggling things fall apart fall apart very easily for this team but um generally the, it kind of snowballs they get one it forces teams to come out of their own end and attack a little bit more and then uh, they can sort of compound that and put a, a few in the back of the net Gotcha. Okay. You, you talked about just about every single player that I was curious on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I think Brian White got the, the PDL golden boot last year, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Is that right? Yeah, he was uh, scoring a ridiculous number of goals per game. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I wasn't necessarily sure how he would transition to life as a pro, uh, but he, he's doing a very good job. I thought maybe he might be a little bit undersized. Um, and there's still you know room to grow for him but he's the, the most important part is that he's putting himself in the right positions and reading the game very well a lot of what makes him dangerous is how he can pick off passes uh if the 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 back line is trying to uh play across or square balls he's very smart about reading those picking them off and then finding open runners gotcha so with that being said brian white is their their main forward if i'm not mistaken is that right yeah, Stefano Bonomo is also in that conversation, uh, but he's he's been a little bit inconsistent this season. He came in with an injury, uh, and that took him a while to kind of get up to full fitness. And now he's out with a concussion, so it's it's week to week. So 
Brian White has been doing a lot of the uh, the heavy lifting there. Um, but they also have Tom Barlow, who has come on over the last couple of weeks and uh, impressed a bit. But there's still a lot to to kind of figure out with him. Really big guy, but he doesn't necessarily use his size to his advantage. But he's very fast and very good with the ball at his feet. Okay, cool. So one thing I'm kind of curious on, uh, like you kind of said with Brian White, he's he's not the the biggest forward, I guess you could say. He's it looks like he's sitting at five eleven according to the USL's website. But me and Alex know that may not be hundred percent accurate um, <laughs> with some of the independence players we've seen on there. But um, do you think that they're more of a ground attacking type team, or is it through the air? Or how does that look for the Red Bull? Even even when they're crossing in, a lot of that attack is coming through the ground. So they like to keep the ball at their feet and run at defenders. I think that is probably their strongest quality. Okay, very interesting. Okay, and and one other player, the last player, I'm kind of curious on. Um, how has uh, I may be mispronouncing this, pronouncing this, but Evan Larue, how has Evan he Laura. been? Uh, Larue, Larue. I should have known that. I really uh, got to pronounce his name. It's okay. Um, how has he been this season? I suppose. He's been very, very good. Uh, the transition uh, for him uh, coming from MPSL to USL was really difficult. I think if you watched the home match of last season when they came down to Charlotte, uh, he was a mess. So many yeah. of his saves just parried right back out into traffic. And you could see that that he didn't quite have the confidence or necessarily uh, the communication with the back line, which is so critical for goalkeepers. Yeah. As the season went on, he got a lot better at that. And I'm not sure if it was anything specific that uh, any other goalkeepers on the team did with him. Uh, but over the the offseason and now uh, obviously transitioning into the season, he's he's carrying himself in a very different way. And he, he is one of the veteran leaders on this squad. And you can hear him barking at everybody uh, all the time, getting them in position and, and making sure that they're doing what they need to do. And because of that, when they have defensive breakdowns, uh, they can rely on him to kind of make sure that uh, the runners are kind of pushed wide uh, based on how they're they're positioning the defenders, and that cuts down the angles and it makes his job a lot easier. But he's also done some really nice stuff, uh, you know, saving penalty kicks and and just making great reaction saves that that speak to kind of his growth as a player. Very cool. Okay, I didn't. I didn't actually know that he came from the the NPSL. So that's a good little. Uh, he he was a, he was in the academy. Uh, oh, okay. They I think they looked at him and they said, you know, you got a long way to go. You got to kind of pick up your game some. Uh, and yeah. sent him off. He went to college. He played. I want to say with Detroit. Um, and then they brought him back in uh, following the 2016. Uh, season because they knew that Ryan Mira was going to be the permanent backup for for Luis Robles. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so how would you say that? Um, you kind of touched base on this a little bit, but how would you say that the the Red Bulls would win this game against the Independents or lose this game against the Independents? The the main thing, especially with what I've seen from uh, from you guys this year, is they can be so quick to jump on your mistakes uh, if you turning the ball over in the midfield. And that's been a big problem for the Red Bulls this year. So minimizing mistakes in those kinds of situations are absolutely critical for them to have success. But the other thing, uh, Andrew Tenari, uh, who's playing a very unfamiliar role for him, uh, has been pushed up to the number 10 this season. 
as he he was playing sort of like an eight or a six, uh, but had been more of a, a defensive force. And now he's being pushed into the playmaker role. And the way that he plays it is different than how you would normally have a 10 play. He's he's key to that that counter press mm-hmm. and uh, creating these turnovers uh, and, and forcing players, even if he doesn't get there for the tackle, but he forces them into making decisions uh, very quickly, which you know sometimes that that works out very well for players other times not so and uh last week against cincinnati in the first half uh he did a great job of that and he was creating a lot and he probably should even had a goal but he hesitated and um in the second half he took a little bit of a knock and you could see that he was a step slow to want to make the challenges and and it just wasn't coming as easy and uh that allowed cincinnati to kind of climb back into the match so if he is at his best and and sort of uh, running the offense in that you know defensive first approach, I think that they will be very successful. Okay, good to know. That's uh, definitely a lot of good information. Um, that definitely does it for any of the the random questions I've got. Uh, did you have any questions, Alex? I have a question. Uh, sure. So, who would you say is like the next Tyler Adams? If you had to Ooh. pick like one player, and maybe not to the level of. Yeah, I was going to say the senior that. national team in two years, <laughs> but, but maybe somebody who, you know, has takes their game from this season. Next season is a contributor with, you know, a consistent contributor with the first team. One guy that definitely sticks out right now is Christian Caceres Jr. Uh, <clears throat> he's a loney from Venezuela, and he's very much in the mold of Tyler Adams. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily as complete at this point. Uh, Jesse Marsh has, has spoke at length about uh, how he's f- further along in his development uh, than Tyler was at this age. I don't necessarily agree with that, but he brings a lot of those tools, and he's got that tireless work rate. Mm-hmm. He doesn't mind running for you know 90 minutes. And his eye for, for uh, picking out passes is very, very good. His control with the the ball at his feet has is probably better than Tyler's was at this age, uh, and he can he can hit a a, a shot from uh, around the perimeter in a way that I don't think Tyler really ever could, um, and that gives him sort of a different dimension, and I could see him kind of filling in there because I mean all reports say that Adams is gone at the end of the season, and I really right. wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Cool. Well, that's somebody who I would never have thought of, you know. Uh, but it's got to be really cool as a fan to see Tyler Adams' trajectory. Uh, it's 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 unreal. He was yeah. one of our our first guests on Raising Bulls, um, and you know, talking to him then, you just heard a very strong maturity uh, that you don't normally get with those guys, and. You know, a lot of these guys have never done interviews before, and so when you start talking to them, you got to kind of pry a little bit and open them up and, and get them to talk. Uh, and I never really got that sense from Tyler. He's very, very confident and, and um, very open and uh, just a really great kid. Cool. Well, that about does it for, for that section. Uh, we do have – looks like we just got the one listener question. So let me uh, – let me read that one to you. And, sure. Um, it's from uh, Richard, and he asks, uh, following on a sentiment that I had recently, New York Red Bulls 2 is like a box of chocolates. I don't think I worded it exactly like that, but, <laughs> but that's I'll, I'll go with it. Uh, you never know what you're going to get. 
What is it like going from a comfortable victory one week to a possible blowout the next? The lack of consistency must be agonizing. Right. So I I, I could see that from uh, a fan perspective for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's so weird about MLS two teams in terms of uh, how what their approaches is, is that results are very important to the coach and the players, but not necessarily to the organization. So that's kind of a weird dynamic. So what you're looking at every week is really the progression of the players that are on the field. And are they getting better week over week? Are they struggling with certain things? Um, Do they look like they have a future within the organization? So from that standpoint, even when they have bad games, you kind of are looking more for the positives and it's not as bad, but it can be a little maddening. I think uh, from the pure fan side of things where you want to see them put out that, those results like they did in 2016 over and over again. But that was such a special group. And like uh, the circumstances that brought all those guys together at that point were uh, pretty special. All right. Um, I have another question. It's kind of about the open cup. So were there any players who have been with mainly the USL side who played Wednesday night? Yes. Uh, The two biggest guys who contributed, were Hassan and Dom and Ethan Cutler. Um, and Dom was with the team because Parker, uh, Tim Parker is away on international duty. Mm-hmm. And Ethan Cutler uh, was kind of backing up Connor Laid uh, since Michael Maria was also absent with international duty. And both of those guys had fantastic games. I would invite you to take a look at uh, the highlights, if, if you get a chance, because uh, Ndam played a critical role in keeping the clean sheet and clearing a uh, David Villa shot off the line. And really just, as surprising as it is, he had uh, Villa in his back pocket. And that yeah. is something really uh, incredible for, for a guy that hasn't had any real MLS experience up to this point. Hmm. Right. Very interesting. Yeah, he's he's been a kind of an up-and-down player, if I'm not Very mistaken. Very much. Too, right? Okay, yeah, because yeah, he's I, I I knew I recognized the name, but um, that that's really cool to see that uh, trajectory going upward. That's interesting. If there were two guys that had maybe their worst games last season against Charlotte, it was Evan Loro and Hassan and Dom. <laughs> that was a, a a train wreck of a game for him. His his big issue tends to be that he'll try to stick into a challenge a little bit further upfield or wander off the back line, and if he misses, it just collapses everything yeah and yeah, a lot of breakaways that way gotcha, gotcha. well I, it'll be interesting i think this is going to be an interesting matchup because yeah charlotte has kind of ref, not reverted but we started out the season playing a lot more direct than we've ever mm-hmm. played in the past and then as the season's project progressed we've slowly gotten back to more traditional really possession-based playing it keeping the passes short holding the ball it'll be interesting to see if we try to play out of the back as much as we have uh the past two or three weeks in this one because uh i I think coach jeffries was hinting in some of his uh press obligations this week that they may switch it up a little bit so it'll be interesting to see if they kind of go back to that more direct uh playing fast long balls over the top because we've got a lot more speed than we've ever had in the past. So this this seems like it's going to be a really exciting matchup. And that that kind of play, that direct play with a lot of speed, is uh, an, a kryptonite for for this team. So much 
um, responsibility and and onus is put on individual performance mm-hmm. within the press that any breakdown could be potentially catastrophic. So if they've got speed, I could see them absolutely going at, uh, up against um, two guys who don't have a ton of USL experience in um, uh, Kevin Pollitz and Wahab Bakwai if he's playing or Jordan Scarlett who has a little bit more experience. But these are these are guys who can make a few mistakes and that that is very problematic going up against a speedy team yeah well this one I, i'm i'm thinking it's gonna be a goal fest honestly so that would be fun I, I hope so because yeah we're uh we, we're kicking off our charity campaigns this month for for pride month and so all the goals there you go would be great <laughs> <laughs> well if, if you don't yeah, have anything else for us we'll do uh would you like to make predictions Oh God, I hate. <laughs> yeah, we're terrible at them. We just we've we've been doing them, so we keep doing them. <laughs> I I don't feel good. Charlotte has just been all over this team, home or away. So uh, I'm gonna. This is my most optimistic. I'm gonna say it's a three-three draw. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> hey, that would be fun. I would take that in a yeah. heartbeat too. Oh <laughs> uh, man. Okay, man. You just went three-three. I was gonna say three-two. I guess I'll say that. 3-2, Charlotte. Same as last year. <laughs> Fair. Oh, no. That's what I was going to say. Um, I'll just say... I'll say 2-1. Two, 2-1 one. Two, one us. Um, a few less goals. But um, both teams will probably combine for like 20 shots. Or something. <laughs> the Red Bulls, I think they've done it at least twice this season so far. Put 30 shots uh, on the stat sheet, which is wow. just insane. I think like only ten percent of those were on target. <laughs> yeah, it'll that'll be a number to watch for Charlotte because we've been so successful the last you know, four or five games taking very few shots because we've just mm-hmm. been so patient. We've waited for the right shots. It'll be interesting to see if they do change and try to go more direct. If that number climbs up into the twelve to fifteen range, because it's been a lot closer to seven to nine the last few weeks. Oh, wow. So. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, where, where can our listeners find you if they want more information on the Red Bulls too? Uh, the, the main place to find me right now is at uh, Raising Bulls. You can listen on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, that's also BGN.FM, the beautiful game network. Uh, I was writing for, for SBI Soccer. I've stepped down. There's another project coming up, but I can't really release any details about that yet. All right. Well, maybe by the time we play New York again, you, those details will be out. And we can share that. Hopefully true. Yes. <laughs> All righty. Well, thank you so much, Joseph, and I uh, hope you have a good evening. Thanks. Same to you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. You appreciate the help, Joseph. Hey, folks, we are back. Uh, thank you to, for joining us, Joseph. And uh, that was that was very good. He's a nice guy. Yeah. He seems to really was, know his uh, stuff, too. I Yeah, he... he definitely seems to be the i guess the czar of the red bulls or um the hoarder of the red bulls maybe he knows his stuff more than more than we do yeah <laughs> maybe i don't know we'll see yeah he, that 3-3 three, uh, three prediction has me if it's 3-3 three, three, that'll be really fun yeah. but also kind of stressful so we'll see yeah it'd be it'd be fun from a neutral standpoint but maybe not so much from a, a Red Bull or a Independence fan perspective, um, yeah, lots of really good information there. It feels like maybe we play Atlanta is a similar team to how we've uh, um, it's how 
a similar team we've played Maybe. against. Really, it feels like this isn't a team we've not played anything similarly to. Um, with as fast paced as they're going to be and everything like that. Yeah, so. and I don't know. I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see to what degree they try. I mean, I guess they're just going to run that that gigan pressing system out like they do every year and like they do every week. But it seems yeah. like we've gotten the better of them so much. It'll be interesting to see if they make any tactical changes. I guess I'm guessing they won't. I think that's one yeah. of the things that might differentiate them to a independent USL side is because they are focused on developing their players for that particular system. That if maybe this is if if our team is just like their kryptonite to that press, they're not going to t- make a change tactically in order to win the game because they're just trying to get better at that system. So that'll be, it might play right into our hands if we can, you know, beat if we can beat the press, so to speak, uh, to use a basketball term. Um, <laughs> I I think this game, man, this game has Moapi written all over it. I think. You think? I would love to see him start from the get go, and to have really? he, to have he and Cato just bomb down the wings. Oh, I, I, okay. Know, he talked about speed being their kryptonite. If we could just yeah. get the fast guys on the field all at the same time, and just see what you know, I think I think we could unlock their their press that way. Interesting. So, do you think this will not be a um, a Zayed game? Because I would lean towards the idea that this will be a Zayed game. I think this will be a Zayed game. Um, I think. I don't know it. I don't want to do a prediction on the lineup, but if if it were my choice, the yeah. lineup I would go with would be, uh, and this might be a little drastic, but I'm gonna go with it anyways. I w- yeah. I would run that, um, that lineup we we played almost the same lineup we played in the first game of the season. Obviously, it, we would have Calvert out and Zayed in. Uh, yeah. I would slide Alex to the bench, uh, and play, and I, and I guess Jordan is probably still injured. So Ekra for Jordan. Yeah. So I would have Ekra, Kevon George, Jorge Herrera as the midfield, middle central midfield, uh, and the front three of Zayed, Cato, uh, Mwapi, and then a back four of Vines, Jungsu, Watson, and Johnson. And then Dykstra and goal. Hmm. Very interesting. I, I don't think that's what we'll go with. I think Alex will get the oh. start. Uh, it wouldn't be. I wouldn't be mad if we rested Jorge, either. Maybe slide Alex in the middle, and then put Mwapi in Alex's normal position on the left. That would be fine with me too. Um, yeah. But. I don't know if, if speed is really their kryptonite. I think that lineup could give them fits. Yeah, I almost wonder if we could see Ekra in for Herrera and then shuffle the midfield and have a Foster uh, George midfield, um, or maybe even an Alex. I don't know. There's so many different ways this could go. Yeah, uh, I do think I remember seeing uh, during the week though that. Um, Jordan and uh, Donnie Smith were uh, were actually practicing, um, so that that's yeah. a definitely a positive. They're practicing. I know. Uh, I listened to Second Yellow today. 
uh, and Troy, Troy Lassane was on, and he said Donnie is still probably one to two weeks away at least. Uh, okay. And, and they're, he, he basically said they're being very cautious with that injury because it uh, it has a potential re-injury risk. Uh, so yeah. they're kind of taking it slow on that one. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know about Jordan specifically, but I know – He's on, you know, he made the trip, I assume, because he was in those pictures. Well, I guess that was those pictures were taken still in Charlotte, so we don't know that he made the trip. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I would love for him to get on the field uh, mm-hmm. for no other reason than he's our playing for pride player. So we've, exactly. got, we've got that going on. So we'll, since we kind of talked about the game, we'll talk about our little, our, um, uh, I can't think of the word, charity. Here we go. Our, our charity uh, work that we're going to be contributing to for the month of June. Uh, I, if you saw the tweets, we are going to be contributing to playing for Pride. Uh, when Greg Jordan comes back, he'll be our he'll be our guy. But until then, we have Austin Deleuze of North Carolina FC and uh, Jessica McDonald of the North Carolina Courage, and so cool. uh, they'll. We'll make contributions each week, and we'll update the totals uh, at the end of each week and then at the end of the month. And then the other campaign we'll be involved with is uh, being led by Jack's Militia, and we will be contributing $5 for each goal that the independent scores in the month of May or in the month of June. So $5? I thought it was a dollar, but five, it's a... uh... It's an ambitious goal. There's going to be a lot of money going towards a charity, I believe. It's, let me find the, I believe the one for Jack's Militia is Time Out Youth. Yes. Which is a local uh, charity, and I can't find their Twitter page. But we will, uh, obviously, we'll tweet out the website or something later. Uh, So if you're interested in matching our donations to that, uh, just keep an eye on our Twitter, and we will tweet those out at the end of each uh, week, and you can match on Twitter. So do you have anything else to add before we wrap things up and head into the weekend? No, I think it's going to be a fun one. Um, I know I will not be there, but go to Jack's house. Yes, Unless get, it is get out to Jack's birthday. house. That's right. I won't uh, be there either because I don't live in Charlotte anymore. Yeah. Uh, but Go to Jack's house. Go to Jack's enjoy. house. Drink your seventeen seventy five. I need to uh, get a, a someone to send me just a keg of seventeen seventy five from my house because it is so, be so good. good. Yeah, I just uh, I want it every day. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not just being I'm not just being a fan here. the The beer is really good. It's not just good because it's in the Independence beer. It's might be one of my favorite beers. Really? Yeah, it is that good. It's just it's it's it is a, really good. It's a really good like everyday beer. Like you come home from work, I want to drink a beer. Seventeen seventy five. That's your beer. Yeah. What time is it? Seventeen seventy five. That's right. It's seventeen seventy five somewhere. <laughs> no, that hit us up if you no. need marketing help to market seventeen seventy five. Yes. Yeah. So. Folks, hope you have a great weekend. Get to Jack's house. Uh, watch the U.S. men's national team play in that friendly. Get ready for the – while France gets ready for the World Cup. 
watch the Independence at seven. Uh, hopefully, take home a win in New York or New Jersey. I don't know which which state the yeah. that stadium's in. Uh, I think it's Montclair. Regardless, Montclair, New Jersey, maybe. Yeah. Uh, nevertheless, yeah. Support your Jacks. Support the Jacks. Uh, donate your dollars. And have a great weekend. Come on, you Jacks. Woo!